this morning what I want to talk about, and we touched on it just briefly, the doctrine of two trees. There's two trees. And we know what, is, what does a tree do, right? It, it produces, doesn't it? So there's something about it. So, but when we look at this and we look at the types all through the scriptures, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read some scriptures first. Then, when, then you'll know where the substance of the word came. And you'll know that it's the word. And we'll know it all together, right? So here is Genesis, the second chapter. Now, you know, the first chapter was the fact that, that, that uh, Christ created. And we know that it was Christ, the, 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 the person of Christ that created all things material. He created every angel and, and, and human beings, even in terms of generation. You know, um, the angels don't. They were created all at once as a host. You know, and then he created Adam with a sense of creating everybody from him. Okay, and when we even talk about uh, the two trees, we're going to see the difference of the two Adams, the first Adam and the second Adam. And you see that in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and starting at verses 43 to 49, specifically 44 to 49. But in those scriptures, we're going to see that. So we know that God, Christ, in his pre-incarnate state, and what I mean by that is before he put on humanity, was born of a virgin uh, in a spe- specific time period in, in God's perfect plan. He created everything. The Bible makes it clear. So John 1, verse 3 makes that clear. Colossians 1 and verse 16 make it clear that Christ was the one that created everything that we see. So then it was created, and at the end of it, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 30, it says God saw everything that he had, what? He, he made. <laughs> and behold, it was what? It was very good. Why? Because good is only in who? It's only in God. It's only in Christ. And, so, and then it says in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Right? The sixth day here, again, is the last day of the week. Have you ever heard of Seventh-day Adventists and the Jews? They all worshiped on Saturday, which was the last day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week, biblically. That was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And when the church, when he came out of the grave, the church was formed. And that's why specifically we meet on a Sunday morning, because it speaks of where Christ rose, sent the Holy Spirit down in Acts the second chapter and began to form the church which you and I are, right? So then we come to this in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, okay? And all the host of them. So again, he finished his, the whole creative material, everything materially he created, right? It was finished. And also in Christ, who came as that pre-incarnate, creator, came, put on humanity, and finished everything for us, to his Father, and for us, even above everything. That's why we have the terms finished work. You have that. It's the finished work. He cried it out, not in defeat, but in absolute victory in John 19, verse 30, tetelestai, it is finished. And so Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 make that clear, especially uh, we are saved by grace through faith, even that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, else any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
If they're good works, well, then whose would they be? All right? We're eating from the right tree, right? Partaking of the right tree and then being the, the reproduction of that. Uh, and again, that we're foreordained in him that we should walk in them. Isn't that the beautiful truth? We don't create fruit. A tree does that. You eat from the right tree, you produce the right fruit. So on the seventh day, God rested, ended his works, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he made. Notice the seventh day. When was the work finished? What particular day? Seventh day. What's the, what's the first day of the week? Sunday, seventh day. Seven is really a key number. At some point we'll get into, not to go wild on it, but numbers have a significant meaning in the scriptures. So, here we have verse uh, 3 of Genesis. And God blessed the seventh day. All this is type, too, by the way. We glean the germ of all the truths. Just the germ. The little seed, of course. And we know it far better than a majority of people. Because we're in Christ. And, and that's our position in the heavenlies. And you see that in the first chapter of Ephesians, those first three twenty, uh, 23 verses. And then we see it again in Ephesians 2, verse 6. We're seated together in heavenly places. And as high as the, the heavens are above the earth, right? Israel is his earthly people. Who are we? His heavenly people. How far above in people groups are we of all people groups in the scriptures? So he created the earth. We, we're just reading that. That was a great creative act. What was his greatest creative act that he ever did? Us, the church. As high as the heavens are above the earth, right? And you'll see that in Isaiah 55 in verses 8 through 11. Our thoughts on his thoughts, our ways on, on his ways. Why? Because his thoughts and his ways are as far as the heavens are above the earth. So it's great with the scriptures, isn't it, to be able to understand them in this way. So he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He set it apart. We get set apart. We come on a Sunday. We're prepared. We're disciplined. We're ready to receive. We're, we've set ourselves apart from everything else, every thought, everything, and we're ready to receive because that in it he had rested from all his own works which God had created goes into that, the, the generations. Then it says in verse 70, you know, he created man from what? The dust of the earth. <laughs> We're little dust balls. We're just little dusties, right? You see those in your house? Get a little animal fur or human fur and you get a little dust and you see these things rolling around. We have some hair and we're dust, but we have Christ in us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this incredible treasure that he is in Again, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, right? And Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. Really, the original says lives, right? Because Adam is our federal head, and then we all proceed from him. Isn't that awesome? Specific breath, specific design, every one of us. Because remember, in this design of every human being, especially us in the church, obviously. Did God know what he was doing and have a specific design for us 
in a way that only that particular individual would reveal Christ. It's really an awesome thing. That's who we are. And we never identify ourselves with anything or, or anyone else outside of that reality. Because Christ is our only reality, true? The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of lives, and man became a living soul. But he had a spirit, though, <laughs> right? And that's what made him different as a trichotomous being, created in the image of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul the prayer, the Holy Spirit prayer through Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, is I pray God your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless unto the day of Christ. And of course, faithful is he who called us, who will also do it in 524. And then in verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward. Now remember, east, what does east represent in the Bible? Yeah, it always speaks of resurrection. He planted it where? Eastward. Right? And there he put the man whom he had formed. Right? We didn't evolve, he formed us, right? And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Listen, here's the two trees the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we partake. We choose, we make a choice as believers. Remember in Romans 8, verse 9, the flesh is in us, the product of the Adamic life in every one of us eating from the tree, the wrong tree. The tree of self-preservation, the tree of self-occupation, the tree of everything about me and my disobedience. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember what he said in Genesis 2, 17, but of the tree, you can eat any tree you want, Right? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof, you will die. That's the King James, you will die. Really, what it says in Hebrew is in dying, spiritually being separated from me, because that's death and its basic meaning, separation. And in, in, in being separate from me as your source of life, then physically you die also. Right? But thank God in Christ, in Romans 6, 9, he that dies once, physical body, what? dies no more. Why? Because Christ in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4, he's our life. We are to partake of the tree of life. The tree of life then in type would be the cross of Calvary where Christ was crucified. He died, went into the grave. Again, in many translations you will see he, he went into hell like, you know, like you'll see in Psalm 16, 10, 11, or Psalm 16, verse 10. In the translation it says, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption, nor leave him in hell. Hell is the wrong word there. It's Hades, it's a grave. Christ never went into hell, never. <laughs> Had no reason to do so. I want to make that crystal clear in the scriptures because of, a, because of translations and if we only rely on them, they can only take you so far because they're infallible because who writes them? Who does God use? Men. They're weak. So he said, in dying, you will die. There were trees. Now, then there was a fall, wasn't there? Right? In Genesis, the third chapter, right? There was a fall. Then we see the true types we see that in type, Abel, he's eating from the tree of life. What? Sacrifice. 
It's pointing to an, to an innocent victim going to be sacrificed and blood is going to be shed. He brings the right offering. Cain does not. He brings the fruit that grows from a tree, but from the fruit of the ground, cursed. Everything about the flesh, everything is what? It's cursed. Why? There's no life in it. He brings that. Then he kills us. He's rejected. He's still given the opportunity to, ch- to repent, to turn around and make the truth. And he does not. He leaves God in a rage. What happens when we don't want to obey? And what are we all like with God? We, we leave him and there's going to be anger because that's what becomes about a disobedience. It's just the anger of self not getting its way. And so he leaves. He murders his brother. Now, who was a murderer in John 8, 44 from the very beginning? It was Satan. So through him, eating the wrong tree, Satan takes advantage of that like he did of Eve in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. So what does he do? What does Cain do? He murders his brother. What is he doing? He can't stand Christ. Even the, the even brought out in any way. Just like, just like in our country right now. The predominant theme in our country right now. And there are godly Christians. There's no question about it. They're God's pivotal force from keeping back judgment completely. But it is coming. And we know that judgment, before it hits the world, is coming in 1 Peter 4.17 to the church, the, uh, to, to us, the believers, God's going to deal with us and make us right. Not that we have judgment or wrath, but in, in an amazing correction. <laughs> there's going to be, he's going to, it's, it's going to be a time when there's no more time to play. That's what 1 Peter 4, 17 says. Just like he said to Israel in Jeremiah 10, verse 25. He said to Israel, I'm going to judge you because you refuse me. I'm going to judge you just like I'm judging the other nations. But it begins, began with Israel, Old Covenant, Old Testament, and with the church, New Testament, New Covenant. And, but there is that that's coming. Thank God it's not the wrath. There isn't any for us. In 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9, there's no wrath because Christ, in John 3, verse 36, he took that wrath on him in our place on Calvary, on that tree where there had to be a death Right? For him to go into the ground, and what did he become? What does it say? All through the scriptures. All through the scriptures. You see it in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and 23. You see it in Romans 8, verse 29. He's first fruits. First fruits. Right tree. So then there's the whole world system we see developed in absolute disobedience and hatred of God, hatred of Christ, hatred of a bloody sacrifice, hatred. In our country right now, I've never seen it more outwardly manifest. Listen, folks, not that the evil is going to come. Folks, it is here. It is here. Here. Hardly even cloaked anymore. It is so, that's why it's not a political issue, it's a spiritual issue. It is so anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Jew, anti-Israel. It's unbelievable. All because eating from the wrong tree and refusing salvation in Christ and then just being left up to the evil one to make all the moves. 
You know, the chess pieces, they don't move by themselves on a chessboard. It takes the hand of someone to do it. It's not a political issue. It's a spiritual one. And it is with us, it's, it's either a fleshly issue or a spiritual one. And believe me, our conduct, our conversation, how we behave will be that that reveals the content of our fruit. Very lovingly convicting for us. So the whole world system is developed in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 16. Cain went out from the presence of God. And guess what he did? He built a city. You know what we are like it when we function apart from him, when we're no longer eating of the right tree? We're going to go out and in the world form something for ourselves. Our plans, our schedule, our everything. And that's why I love the body of Christ. That's why when we do things, honestly, and you're going to see what it's going to do, what, what is forming. And God will use these spiritual issues and this evil to bring us close together that it, because that everything that we do is going to be together. We don't do things separately. It's coming down to it. Seriously, that's what we were saying, when, when, what we mean by circle the wagons. And we explained it again the other day, and we'll do so now, remember. Those that were in the wagon, right, they, were, they had a call to go, leave the place where they were to get something better. And they got in these wagons and loaded up, and they were on their way. And being on their way as they entered this new place... There was an enemy there waiting that was already occupied. And then, of course, started shooting that at them. And then what would they do? They would stop the wagons together, not separate, not separate plans, not separate little get-togethers, all as one. Very key, especially in these days where we are. They would what? Circle the wagons. Why? Get a circumspect view of everything, every enemy. And that's what each of us do. That's what each of us do. When we stay away, when we get preoccupied from the one new man, the body of Christ, there's a place that's left open that not only that person that's not there will get hit without even knowing it, but there's a space in the body for that to come in. It's crystal clear in the scriptures. That's what every joint that supplies says. And you'll see that. That's that's, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 16. But you'll see the principle. What you'll see is the principle, and you'll see it in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, when they went to rebuild the wall. They all did it together. When we eat of of the same tree, there's oneness. We all do it together. All do it together. They had a mortar thing to build a wall in one hand and had a sword in the other and they did it all together again Hebrews 10 verse 25 forsake not the assembling of yourselves together that's what it says I ain't saying it and if there's conviction thank God for it I thank it for I thank God for his conviction in me too Okay, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but do it much more, exhorting one another as you see the day approaching. What's the day that's approaching? Christ to come back. What will it be like? 
Well, did you know that Paul in his day, when he wrote, he wrote the first epistles that he wrote were first and second Thessalonians. The first thing that he wrote was first Thessalonians. And when he talked about the rapture of believers off the face of the earth in first Thessalonians 4, uh, 14 to 18, 13 to 18. When he wrote that, he actually believed in his lifetime the rapture was going to happen. My God, if he believed it then. If there were antichrists then in 1 John 2, 18. By the way, when that was written, John, the beloved apostle, by the time he was writing that, back from the Isle of Patmos, he was between 95 and 105 years old. That's right. And he said, he said even now, Beginning, first century, what century are we in? Beginning, first century, even now there are many antichrists. Listen, they're not political figures, folks. They're not. It's a spiritual issue. The Bible calls them antichrist, ones who are completely against Christ. It's not just the country issue. It is a spiritual, worldly issue. That's what we're facing here in this country. And I am telling you, I can't even say it enough. Rapture could happen at any time. Things are so evil right now. Listen, all the signs are pointing to Second Advent. That's right. Second Advent. By the way, the church, and, and many don't believe that now, even Christians, guys that I know, don't believe in the rapture anymore. We're going to go through the tribulation. A period of wrath. Well, I thought Christ for us in our place dealt with all of that. Simple truths. Why? Eating from the wrong tree or listening to someone else that's eating from the wrong tree. They want, they're more interested in giving their own opinions about the word of God apart from Christ, which is, is an absolute oracle. And that oracle is a divine communication, meaning it comes from him. Doesn't come from me doesn't come from might, doesn't come from any other man of God. It comes from him, Christ. That's why we gather together. That's why we gather together. To, 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 again, be refocused and have that life given to us on a consistent basis. And that's why it is a local assembly. This is the place, individually in our place, where God has called us. Not that we don't do other things, of course, of course, but we really need to be careful because the sign, listen, we only have so much more freedom. God, through the church, is the pivotal force, Christ in us, obviously, right, is keeping back these things until he that lets no longer does that. And we see that, that is Second Thessalonians chapter two, and you can see that, those first eight, nine verses. You'll see what that's talking about, restraint. We are losing our freedoms, I am telling you. Come on. Basically, come on. We're losing them. We're, in that sense, the time is shortened in 1 Corinthians 7.29, and that means we only have so much more time to function in freedom as a local assembly. I'm telling you, you can only gather 10. Do you understand that this is an outright attack against Christianity from the enemy? Do we see that? Do we see it? I'm going to tell you, that's a fact. It's an outright attack based upon eating from the wrong tree, right? The tree of that we were tempted, you know, in the Adam nature to partake of, right? What did Eve take? 
Did she, did, when she took the fruit, was that part of that tree where that fruit was produced? What did it produce? Death, separation from God, disobedience to the word of God. I know I should do it, but you know what? I don't feel like doing it this morning. Okay. Losing freedom. I promise you, you are. And and again, God's going to give light through the word. Of course, we have schedules and of course. But I'm saying to those that know to do good, (laughs) don't do it. I've never done that. To him it is sin in James 4, 17. But to know that the specific light that we need, God says, this is where it is. This is where you'll get specific definition, crystal clear, clear definition for your life. And if it's for you and you're a member of a local assembly, would that benefit all of us? And that's where the light is. You're not there, you don't get it. What are you going to walk in when you don't have light? What's well, darkness. There's a way that seems right unto a man or a woman in Proverbs 14, 12, and Proverbs 16, verse 25, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. What's death? Separation from God. Got my own reasoning. Boy, if we, what are our thoughts and plans and reasonings if they're not from this book? And if you and I don't know how to do it, then must you go and get it at a proper place? That's why place is so vital. It is vital. I just believe it in preparation these Wednesday nights. I honestly believe that with all my heart. There's going to come a time when we do need to be together because of the forces that are coming. I believe it with all my heart. Now, the only thing that would, would to me, that would interrupt that, great interruption, rapture. Rapture. Again, Paul thought it was in his day. How long ago was that? How many hundreds and centuries ago was that? You know, just like prophecies. In the prophecy of Isaiah 7, verse 14, a virgin will conceive and give his, his name will be Emmanuel because he'll deliver his, his people from sin. That word was taught to Israel. You know when it was fulfilled? In Galatians 4, 4, 700 years later. But seven is quite the number. It's quite the number. So... Cain goes out from the presence of God in Genesis 4, 16, verse 17, he builds a city. The whole world system, what was it formed on? we, We have to understand this. We're different from the world. Our life has nothing to do with this world. Nothing. It's music. It's style. We've got nothing to do with it, honestly. We don't have a thing to do with it. It's more, the whole world system's motivated by the prince and power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and that's a religious God of this world. In other words, he will, he will allow Christians to privately interpret the word, which is without private interpretation, and should never be that in 2 Peter 1, 20, because it's without private interpretation. But we can privately interpret it to fit it to make us live in our choices, which just amount to disobedience. We, we can all do that in a heartbeat. And when we're, when we're away from God, do you think we care about God? Do you think we care about what other believers think? You know, I don't care. Me? Ever feel like that? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, you know, and, and, and they can judge me. Of course, they're not even judging you. You're living in self-judgment. And <laughs> you think they're judging you. Terrible. Terrible. Wrong tree. Wrong tree. It's one word. Wrong tree. Wrong tree. So there's this whole world system. Then 
it finally reaches the peak where God looks at all of humanity in Genesis 6, verse 5, and Genesis 8, verse 21, and said, oh my God, it repents me that I even created man. Now, of course, he's saying that in view of who was the lamb who was going to come, the true man. You know, because not until Christ came and he was on the earth that God had a man after his own heart, his own way. Everything about him, Christ was his father, God, everything. Hopefully, hopefully, as, as best as we know, that's true of ourselves, without condemning or accusing ourselves, but with a beautiful amount of conviction. Finally had a man. He said, the whole thought of man is only evil continuously. And we've shared this before. It means his, not only just his thinking process, but his every purpose and every desire with that thought are only what? Continually what? Evil. Is that disobedience? Is that sin? Boy, you know, we, we speed bump so many sins. It's just unbelievable. We speed bump them. Eh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I confess it. Okay. Uh, uh. Next day, same thing. Oh, God. God forbid. He forbids it in his love. So there's this whole thing. So then he calls Moses, I, I no, I should say, to build an ark. You know what the ark was made out of? In type, what was it made out of? It was made out of wood. What kind of tree? Gopher wood, gopher trees. What was that pointing to? What was the tree, the wood of humanity? It was Christ's humanity. And then it says it was pitched within. Pitch. You know what pitch is? It's the sap. It's the blood of a tree. Sap. He said pitch it within and pitch it without. Okay? Hebrews 9, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no passing over. There's no canceling of sin. That was what its type was. Eight went in. Resurrection. Eight went in to the ark, a picture of Christ. Judgment, water came. But you know what that, what? that In that humanity and type of Christ, the water that was judgment, who was above it? All those eight out of, listen, do, you, does God, do we think that somehow numbers mean everything? Aren't we taught that? We are, aren't we? Numbers mean everything, right? That's some form of success, right? Eight out of all humanity, existing humanity went in. Eight obeyed. Eight didn't. And by the way, when that was closed, that door was closed, they, then the waters were coming. They were banging on it. Do you think they wanted to get in because they had changed their mind? Or that they wanted to continue to live that way and wanted to use it just to be delivered from it? And it can be just like a Christian. Living in disobedience. Getting enough still to continue. Taking enough just to continue. What a travesty for any of us, really, in any of our lives. And so it was made of gopher wood, right? On and on and on it goes. And we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. But that's what he said. He said it in Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21. All flesh corrupted his way. Why? It wasn't the way. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 6? I am the way. No other way. You, you, are we searching some other way? You're trying to find happiness? You're trying to escape things with using things in the world? When God is dealing with issues in our life, which he must do, there's a shaking. There's a terrible shaking coming in our country. 
in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, starting at verse 24, and it starts with chastisement. Do you know Hebrews, the 12th chapter? It starts with individual chastisement, shaking. He'll shake individuals. You know what else? He'll shake local assemblies. He's shaking it. He's shaking the things that can be shaken so that they can be removed. So what remains cannot be moved. Is that foundational truth? Is that Christ? Is that us and him? You'll see that in Hebrews 12, 24 to 29. Our God is a consuming fire. What is met at the Bema seat in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15? There's gold. That's the deity of Jesus Christ because we have that, right? Because of Christ, it's him. We have silver, redemption, and precious stones. All those truths, the precious stones there is what's brought out in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruits of the Spirit. They're called fruits of the Spirit because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, takes the things of Christ and he shows them unto us. He takes the things of Christ and he shows them unto us. They're like gems. There's, there's all kinds of all facets of what Christ is like in his nature, character, and essence, and then reflected in us. At the Bema seat is not a place of judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 in the King James says a judgment seat. It's not. It's an evaluation. It has nothing to do with sin, but it's, it's the gain or loss of reward. Right? And then what's burnt up? Wood. What's that? Humanity. Eating from the wrong tree and becoming that. Wood. Things that were done in our humanity, our own plans, our own schedules, based upon our own thoughts, period. Then, and then wood, and then humanity, hay. So when we function in, in flesh, in our, in our humanity, what are we, and when we don't think properly, what are we like? We're like hay, explosive emotions, just explosive Ah, he's doing so good. All of a sudden, he exploded. She exploded. What happened? Well, that's what happened. You have bad thoughts. You have bad emotions. That's, that's hay. And stubble, you know what stubble is? This is what stubble is. It's a lack of growth. Whenever you hear this voice, I'm saying it loud and clear to everybody here, as God has said it to me and has to say it every morning. That's right. I'm his little student. I go up and sit down, and the Holy Spirit gets my attention, has my full concentration, my full concentration, and he starts taking the things of Christ and showing them unto me and separating. See this? Flesh. See this? That's who you are. And that's what he does. And so, stubble, no growth. You know what? Whenever you hear this voice, it's not the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd's voice is in, in John 10, 3, uh, 14, and 27. The shepherd's voice is, is come constantly and feed. It's not too much. Well, it's too much for me. Yeah, it's too much for you because you don't want to be disciplined. That's right. You don't want to be. You'd rather be comfortable and convenient and lazy. It's the truth for any of us in the flesh, and that's what we are. Whenever you hear the voice, it's too deep. It's too deep. It's too much is a lie from the pit of hell to allow you to stay in the place, the darkness, ignorance, so that the light doesn't come in and give you precise counsel. It is an absolute lie to have you keep on take partaking of a tr- the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what does it produce? Corruptness. 
Ephesians 4.29. Boy, especially men with this one. I'm serious with all of us. I talked with Mike about it today. Even the slightest way. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Seriously. Except that which is good to the use of edifying. That it may minister grace to the hearers. And stop grieving the Holy Spirit by doing it. That's Ephesians 4.29 and 30. Corrupt communication. Well, that's just the way he or that's just the way he, she is. Like it or not. Yeah, again... Dragging a baby diapers with a full load. There's no place for it in the Christian. I'm going to say it. There's no place for it in the individual, and there's no place for it in the local assembly. And we are not to communicate and express those terms back and forth to us, especially those that are closest to us. Husbands with their wives. And maybe they can be a little more free to be expressive in their sin nature with their language. You know, when you hang around the wrong people a long time, you know what you did? You know what you get like? It sets you free to be just like them. As a Christian, are we going to win people by doing the same things they do? Talking like they do? Putting things in our body like they do? That's going to win them? Wrong tree. Trees. So then there's the ark. The eight that are in there get saved from judgment, right? But then right away, the, the ark lands, by the way, it was a full year before he left, before the complete ground dried up. So we need to be patient with things before we take a step that could be very dangerous. <laughs> For full year they were there in that ark. And then right away, guess what came into into effect? Idol worship. Idols. Idols. Listen, and and we're going to close this up. Maybe we'll get into it during the week. And by the way, what is this setting us up to be? With everything that we have in Christ, we can offer the, the the, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. You know that? You know, honestly... Don't, you know, what happens when we think too far ahead, you know, and not presently, we're going to miss being thankful for what we have even now. And start complaining about what the future can be and not, and miss the fact that where are you right now? Is your needs being met? I don't you're out on the street. You don't have food. You don't have heat. And you're going to look ahead. You're looking ahead of God. Well, if you're going to look ahead of him when you miss him. You're not submitted to him. And submitted to your own thoughts. It takes discipline, guys. It does. It takes discipline being in the Word. Let me tell you, it starts with husbands. Let me tell you that straight right out. Crack a Bible once on a blue moon. <laughs> Have the Word with your family once on a blue moon. <laughs> That's very convicting to me. You think I'm kidding. I study a lot. You just start cracking the Bible, too. In fellowship, it starts in the home. It does. Seriously, what do we like in our homes? What occupies our time? A good movie. Oh, please. You tell me what's good about Horrorwood. Holly, you tell me what's good about it. Hmm? You know what? If you want to talk to me privately, come on. I love it. Not a darn thing that's good about it. Nothing. Nothing. It's supported by a bunch of people that are functioning under evil. Period. P. 
period. Don't, don't, don't even go there. Don't even, you ain't go there, go ahead. I don't care, you ain't go, you ain't taking me with you. No, that, I have to be, that has to be dealt with with me. And it's not such a really funny thing for me. It really isn't. So now there's, then there became what? Idol worship, okay? Look through your whole Bible about idols. You'll see it. Look it up in concordance, all through about Israel. I'm just going to read one little verse here. Here's Isaiah 44, verse 19. This is what it says. And none considers in his heart, in his mind. Neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, listen, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I roasted flesh and eaten it. Boy, he's really occupied with a lot of different things, isn't he? Right? And, and will I make the residue thereof an abomination further? Will I fall down to the stalk of a tree? I don't know. What, what, what can be? What do we have materially, you tell me, that didn't come from the earth that we won't make an idol of? Some kind of a stalk that we fall down and worship. Wrong tree. Wrong tree. Right tree. And by the way, we're in Christ, by the way. You know that? We're in him. We're in him. And finally, and I, I have to wrap it up, but I'm skipping over a multitude because I just don't have the time. But I prayed before I came down, and I never know. I don't even know what my need is. I don't. And I'm his sheep as much as anybody else. He knows. This is Matthew 7. It starts with this in verse 13. Enter in at the straight gate. What's the straight gate? What's the only gate? Who's the only mediator between God and man in 1 Timothy 2.5? It's Christ. That also speaks loudly of obedience. And wide is the gate that leads to destruction, Right? Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and the multitude go there. Multitudes, right? Eight went in the ark. What about the rest of humanity? Now, God wouldn't do that, would he? He did. It's not a fairy tale, right? Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, we found it positionally. But do we find it experientially? Do we? Because you know the gate, it squeezes out everything that doesn't belong going in. Sometimes we just don't want to lose certain things, right? Now, verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. It's like to encourage another believer in, in times of disobedience. It's okay. Hey, you know, we're doing it. Don't you come and be with us. We'll do it together. Because after all, verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. What does a tree produce? You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. 
Wherefore, by their fruits you will know them. Now, that's salvation. But for us, this is, this is what God does. And this is the principle of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul. Not the right kind of tree, everything about me. Philippians 2, 3. Esteem others better than yourself. How's the body of Christ? What's the body of Christ mean to you? What's your local assembly mean to you? Well, if Christ means everything to you personally, guess what his local assembly is going to mean to you? Is it going to be any different? No. no. Look not on your own things. This is Philippians 2, 4. Look not on your own things, but on the things of others. Then verse 5, let this whole mind, this whole thought process be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And look what he did in 6 through 11. Look what he did. You know why? Because in 221, all seek their own, not the things of Christ. God forbid we do that. Yes, we have schedules. Yes, we do. We do. And we do. There's times when, you know, we uh, need to be alone even husbands and wives. We do. We need those things. But all I'm saying is God's going to let us know when we should and when we shouldn't. And he's the only one that can do that. I don't, I don't and you don't have a, a right to judge a single person. We don't. Nobody. That's God's business. That's why we pray for each other. Right? We do. We pray for each other. But for us, what, what the principle of of um, Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two its sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and, and is a critic, is a, is a critic of the thoughts and intentions of the heart, right? He's separating. What's God separating from us? That's the, the flesh is in us in Romans 8, 9, but we're not of it. But he's going to separate it, right? What's he separating? Well, Genesis 6, 5, Genesis 8, 21. The whole thought of man, his whole designs, purposes, and everything about him is only evil continually. Where's the gray area? Where's the shadow? I'm not going black. <laughs> I know better, but I'm going to hang in the shadows. Hey, why don't you too? Why don't you come with us? Let me tell you something. Follow them that follow Christ. And you'll know it won't be what they say. It'll be their conduct. Boop. For any of us. Okay, we're going to close. John 15. This is Hebrews 4.12. I am the vine. Right? Is there wood involved there? That kind of thing. Yep. I am the vine. And my father is the what? The tiller, the gardener, the tiller, right? The husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away, right? Some will teach for believers that's a loss of salvation, which is absolutely incorrect. We can call it Arminian teaching from Joseph Arminius and all this other stuff. But it's just a lie of the enemy, basically. That's what it is. The guy ate from the wrong tree and then produced that fruit for believers to try and live up to. Not much very, not much of joy there, right? And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth what? More what? Fruit. Where's the fruit come from? The vine. Boy, does that do away with Lord's salvation, right? You've got to prove you're saved by your fruit. And if you don't have right fruit continually, you can't be born again. Lordship salvation. In a, in a complete nutshell.
which is someone's thinking from their head. And then it says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You know what clean means? It's purged. You know what purging is? Okay. When there's a dead branch, Gene, what are you supposed to do to it? Should cut it off, right? Yes. Right. You cut it off. So those are the areas, those are the areas that God, when we come to hear the word, we're ignorant of, are rebelliously still functioning in them. He comes and the word does what? It cuts. And when you cut that, guess what? Now new, the life of the vine is, that begins to flow through that again and produce something. What? Fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the, God taking the things through Christ that, that he accomplished on our behalf, his person and his works, and the Holy Spirit takes them and begins to show them unto us. Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Now, now that you're clean, what should you do? In verse 4. Abide in him. Well, maybe not today. Well, maybe not for this hour. What's that hour? Well, I'm, you know, I'm going to get involved with something I know I shouldn't do, but I'm going to do it anyway. The most important thing that we can do, and I'm going to stop there. The most important thing that we can do with the freedom that we have is to get true fruit and true treasures and not get involved with other things because we only have, listen, we only have so much time to get this word in a freedom, an outright freedom, because it's being so limited right now in so many ways. We only have that much time to do this because of when we don't have, through freedom, through the light, through, through discipline, through coming, through hearing, through study, when we don't have that, and it's coming to a point where we won't even have the material things, Then what do we have? If we don't have even the understanding of the word of God, what do we have? The Listen, the time is so short. Evil is not coming. It is here in a greater way than it has ever been before. 